Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvey, and I am running solo again on this episode. Uh, I am recording on location in a separate province, uh, Prince Edward Island, to me, in fact, uh, to be uh, to be specific. And unfortunately, Treg Wilson and Matt Smith could not join me on this episode as. Matt is deployed and Treg is still recovering from surgery. Uh, minor surgery, he just can't talk right now because uh, it was on his gums and he is improving daily. So soon, soon we're going to have our Treg's takes back on the air with the podcast. But in the meantime, I'm going to complete this show solo. And this episode, we're going to go into, well, I'm going to go into uh, essentially the trade rumors that are swirling around the Canadians. So we're at the, we're, we've passed the midway point, uh, an episode on the midway point is going to be coming uh, sadly after this, but for now they're at the midway point. They're slightly improved from last year, but that means they're going to be sellers, but Kent Hughes can't afford to just throw assets away either. He has to ensure he gets top value for every asset he has on the market. So we're going to get into one by one, the different assets that are being rumored out there. And we're going to go using the TSN trade bait board, TVA, RDS, all of those are going to, uh, there's a lot of overlap with these lists. So why don't we just start it out? We'll start out on the defense. David Savard. He is a veteran defenseman that uh, that is rumored to be out there. He's uh, he's on the block. Not that Hughes is shopping him, just that he is taking calls. Now, a player like Savard, who is ideally suited to a third pair, along with some penalty-killing duties, doesn't sound like it'd be valuable, but a veteran right-handed defenseman that can play those roles has won a Stanley Cup in the past and has another year on his contract, does hold some good value, especially to contending teams. However, his $3.5 million salary could make things a little bit more difficult to, to manage cap-wise at the deadline. So what could, what could what could Hughes get for him? Well, he's not a it's not a throwaway piece, so uh, the equivalent of a second-round pick, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. If Hughes is taking on salary in return, that could get higher. That you know, the equivalent of a first, perhaps, depending on how much salary comes back, uh, how much term, what what player comes off the other team's roster. There's a lot involved in there, but let's just stick with second-round pick value. But what happens if he's out at the deadline? Well. Habs decor gets way friggin' younger because Savard, as I mentioned, is valued for his leadership. 
And his mentorship with the Canadians Young Defense Corps has been invaluable. He has helped to stabilize some of these younger players over the last year and a half. You know, guys like Gooley. He his play has steadily improved. Guys like uh, Struble and Jack Guy and Harris, they all look up to Savart. So the Degore gets younger. Who who takes his place? Uh, Hudson, if at the end of the season, uh, end of the NCAA season, he signs and he comes to the uh, the NHL roster for a few games, sure. Uh, Logan Mayu, an AHL All Star, who's uh, on pace for twenty goals in the AHL, do they call him up, or is that too soon for him? Which I think it might be. Maybe call him up temporarily for a few games as a, you know, a, a cookie, a thank you, a reward. Maybe. Um, do they do they ride or die with guys like Baron Kovacevic and Harris? playing on the right side for the rest of the season. I think that's the more likely scenario uh, than the others. Yeah, I think it's possible that Hudson does join the the NHL roster at some point at the end of the season, depending on how much time is left after his Boston University team is done. Uh, If they make it all the way to the uh, final, uh, the Frozen Four finals, that might might only be a few games if they're eliminated sooner it might be more worthwhile but i do think it's it's baron kovacevic and harris that are essentially going to be filling the right side who would be on the top pair with uh with uh mike matheson i don't know they probably put kovacevic there just because he's a defensive type player like 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 savard not that it's ideal in any way, shape, or form. It's just to finish out the season and go into the summer and try and recalibrate the defense uh, the defense structure. But there's going to be a ton of uh, decisions to be made with this blue line as the Canadians' blue line is getting younger. There's a lot of young defensemen pushing to get on the roster. Some are already proven that they can handle being in the NHL. Now it's just to find a chair for all of them. And the ones that they can't find chairs for, because there's only six, and, and Matheson's filling one of them, and while he is on the trade bait board for TSN, I, I seriously doubt that they're going to trade their number one defenseman who's making under $5 million a year at this point. Um, and, and he's a local kid. So unless some team wows them with that uh, with an offer on Matheson, there's no, there's no way. Like they'd have to provide what fans like to call overpayment or uh, an offer so ridiculous, Hughes would have no choice but to take it. So there's going to be decisions made in the summer over the defensive core. And that's that's going to be possibly the most impactful decision that um, Hughes is going to have to make this summer. But we're talking about the trade deadline and the trade rumors. So, uh, Moving on from Savard, we're going to go up forward to Sean Monahan, and it's no surprise that he's on a trade bait list. Uh, you know, a top six centerman making under two million bucks on the cap, someone who can be a fifty-point player. Huh? Yeah, there's going to be interest out there, and I would say there's interest from uh, there would be at least interest from a half dozen teams, all in the playoffs. 
maybe a few more kicking tires as well. But I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that there were six significant suitors vying for his services for these playoffs. Because player of his ilk is not easy to find. Now, uh, the Canadians signed this uh, signed Monaghan to one point ninety five million dollars in the off season, and according to Darren Drager on TSN. Uh, I'm going to quote him here. I, I went back and listened and said, he says, you got to go back to the off season. And when the Canadians signed the veteran forward, they had an agreement that said, we will trade you when the time is right to a contending team or a team of your choice. Nothing has changed there. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Monaghan was among the first forwards to get dealt before the deadline. And honestly, it makes perfect sense. He has come into Montreal this season, and he has been everything they expected and more. The 29-year-old center has got 11 goals, 24 points in four, in the first 41 games. Um, he's averaging for 18 minutes a game. He's won over 57% of his face-offs. Like I said, he's on pace for over 50 points in the season. He's got the size that general managers love. He's got the experience as a, uh, at center with over a decade playing in the league. Um, that, 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 that's someone that's going to garner a lot of interest and a very high price tag. Now, this is where Hughes is going to really need to maximize the value. Now, this is a player he got for free. He took him on to take a first round pick just to take him on. Like he was a cap dump and the Canadians took him. Now Hughes has the opportunity to turn a cap dump that he took on and got a first out of the deal into someone who brought him a second first, maybe more, you know, maybe in the end it would be two firsts and maybe even a prospect in return for just taking on some salary. This is where the difference in rebuilds happen. It's finding uh, novel ways to add assets without giving up anything. And this is the the ideal location to do it. Now, there's rumors of who's interested. Like I said, there's probably a half dozen, but two were named by a couple of different insiders, and that's Winnipeg and Colorado. Well, it makes perfect sense that they would want uh, a, a top six center. Colorado desperately needs one to kind of prop up their Stanley Cup hopes. Um it's a, it's that one piece they're really missing to truly be uh, a real danger in the playoffs. And for Winnipeg, they're the first team in the in the NHL. They're first overall. So finding more depth, especially at forward, at a super cheap price, mm, that makes sense. That would really help uh, advance their Stanley Cup hopes. And let's be honest, uh, a team in Canada going after a cup, well, it's been a while. I mean, the Canadians were the last team to make the Stanley Cup final in 21, and no Canadian team has done well since. Both teams that are rumored to be interested both have their own firsts, but those are late firsts. They're going to be very late firsts. Let's be honest. Uh, at best, whoever they traded to, that pick's going to be around 25. Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a bad asset, but 
you could get more. And why not push for a prospect instead? I mean, the Canadians are a team that they've got plenty of picks. What they're missing is, and everybody knows this, the need for the Canadians is more offensive players, more forwards, especially forwards with top six potential, maybe more top line potential. The, the Canadians do need an elite forward, but if they can find several top six pros, uh, forward prospects, then it gets a little easier, especially when you still hold your own first. The Canadians are probably going to be in a top 10 pick, uh, especially after they trade away these assets. So there's a possibility they can find someone in their, their top 10 in the top 10 this year. But what else could they get? If it, Winnipeg, for instance, they've got, they've got some interesting prospects who could become top six forwards. Um, Colby Barlow, Rutger McGrory. They're both big, physical, offensive forwards. Uh, McGrory, uh, McGrory just won this, uh, the uh, gold medal with the World Juniors for Team USA. He's uh, he's a very, very interesting uh, prospect. Um, he's got a really good compete level, but he does need to work on his skating a little bit. Not that it's terrible, but he's a, here's someone that's over a point per game at the international level against players his own age. So that translates fairly well. Um, and size and strength are two assets the Canadians do need in their forward group. The other player is Colby Barlow. Again, big physical offensive forward. Uh, plays with the Oshawa Generals. Um, you know, oh, I'm sorry, not the Oshawa Generals. I made, mis I made a mistake there. That's uh, for my notes for the later. But anyway, uh, so Kobe Barlow is another big offensive forward. Uh, he is someone that score uh, who is almost a 50-goal scorer at the junior level. And he he can play physical. He's already, I mean, the it's a man-child. He's already got a full beard the whole nine yards. So what would that be? something that the Canadians could pull off. Could that, could that be something Hughes pulls off? And it's possible. I mean, these are two mid first round picks who have potential. Now, Winnipeg, you know, they're going to want to be good for a long time, but if they're going to add a significant piece so they can really make a, a depth run in the playoffs, that's likely going to be the price. And if that's the return, one of those players from Winnipeg, if Monahan's moved to Winnipeg, I think that's a win for Hughes. You get a big offensive style forward who was picked in the mid in the mid rounds, who's already got another year of development or two under their belt, and could could make the jump to the pros next year. So it's not it's a shorter turnaround than someone say picking someone at twenty five at the draft in 2024. I think that would help, especially when the Canadians still hold that Calgary first round pick, uh, which could end up being a top 10 the following year. Who knows? I mean, it could be anything. It could be a pick in 2075. Like we just, we don't know. We just don't know. Um, but uh, moving on from that, the other team, Colorado, uh, 
and this is where my notes come in. Uh, Colorado also has its own first, but again, it's going to be a late round pick. And you're not, you're going to take a little extra time. If they were to offer a prospect, Callum Ritchie, he's another big physical forward. He's a play, he's a playmaking center who can handle the physicality, who, who's capable of going into corners, capable of going to the front of the net and can make plays through traffic. Now he was picked late in the 2023 first round and you know, he, he's a big center. He's got issues with skating as well. That could easily be fixed by, uh, well, not easily, but it could be addressed by Adam Nicholas. This is where banking on your development uh, program helps pay off. Now, uh, Richie, I mean, like I said, he's a playmaking center. He could become a top six center. He has that potential. Or they can push him over to the wing. There's nothing wrong with having too many centers because it's easier to move a center to the wing than it is a wing to the center. We saw that with Drouin. It didn't work out. Even though he played center and junior, he, he was destined for the wing. And forcing a square peg into a round hole just didn't work for him. But moving a, cent a centerman to the wing, that's very doable. It's... It takes away responsibilities from a uh, from a center to to play wing. You don't have to worry about all the same things. It, it simplifies the defensive game, and it could take advantage of his size and mask his lack of foot speed. It's a it's one way of doing it. Anyway, all that's to say that this is another player who has an extra year of development who could make the leap to pro hockey next season. And that would push the rebuild a little bit quicker. Now, that's that's one way of doing it. Uh, either way, going putting putting Monahan out there for trade, the he he really Hughes really needs to nail the value on this. And he is one. Uh, he's a GM that's well known for having a set value and holding on until he gets what he's looking for. He's a tough negotiator, and he he tends to get what he wants. I don't see any way, any reason to think otherwise at this trade deadline. So you know, the, let's watch the process happen and judge what the return is at that time. Uh, finally, in goal, the Canadians are playing a three goalie system. It's been covered ad nauseum all year long, how the Canadians need to stop this. They need to make room, decide who's the starter, who's the backup, and just go with it. <clears throat> now, uh, Primo is showing that he could fill a backup role, if given the chance, possibly. Uh, Montembeau has shown he can be uh, a 1A, 1B kind of starter in a tandem. That's great. And that leaves Jake Allen. And as the veteran, he probably holds more trade value because they're not going to move Montemp, who holds the most value, but they're not going to move him. They just signed him to a deal. So they wouldn't have done it had, if they thought they were going to trade him. Uh, now, Allen's got one more year on his deal. He's got $3.8 million per year. I don't see the return on a Jake Allen trade being very high, especially if they're not retaining or they don't take back salary. Well, 
there's there's a bunch of teams that need goaltenders. Um, they're all holding out, hoping against hope that whatever solutions they have come from internally, like Edmonton, for instance. Skinner's starting to look like he's getting his stuff together, but are they are they certain about him? Maybe they want that veteran backup. Uh, they did go out and get uh, Campbell, and that really blew up in their face. So it's known that they they want a veteran, and it makes sense. Other teams like the LA Kings, they they've lost their backup goaltender for the season. Now, uh, would the Kings be a good fit? Maybe. Maybe. Um, again, I, I just can't like it, it's it's a fit now, but in the summer things are going to change when Copley returns from injury. Um, you know, uh, for the next season for the training camp, that leaves that leaves the Kings in a precarious position, having to deal with multiple goalies. So, do they want to take that chance, or are they are they going to ride with whatever they have internally? That that's the question. Either way, um, anyone thinking that Jake Allen's going to fetch a return of like a first round pick or anything like that, good luck. If that's what happens, uh, throw Hughes a parade now because the value for goaltenders on the trade market historically has been very low. For some reason, the value for goaltenders in this league has not been high. And that I know that flies in the face of conventional thinking in Montreal, uh, a, a city and a, a team who have a history of superstar goaltenders all throughout their 114 years. I mean, Carey Price coming to mind is the very last one. Most cities don't go with that. The model for winning now is not star goaltender. It's a few star forwards, a couple of star defensemen, and a good enough goaltender. That's it. A tandem. Even just a good enough tandem. So I'd, I'd be happy if he got a third round pick out of the deal. But that's that's me. Tell us what you think. Everyone listening, send us your send us your emails, your messages, your go back, uh, go on social media, interact with us. Let us know what you think about this. We we want to hear more from you guys. Um and for this episode, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I just uh, before I sign off, I, I just want to say uh, I'm I'm sad to hear about the game over staff at SDPN being laid off. Uh, guys like uh, Andrew Berkshire, who were doing game over, who was doing game over Montreal. Um, I know they're all going to find uh, another place to take the game over brand and reestablish it somewhere else it's unfortunate that uh, sdpn uh, just couldn't hold on uh, it seemed that their their brand has grown so fast i think it just kind of got out of their reach and they just couldn't hold on to they they grew too fast that, that was it they just couldn't hold on to everything and couldn't handle managing all of that which is sad because it's good it's a good product and i know that the guys over and gals over at game over every city are going to find a spot to land and they're going to reestablish themselves and do great. Um, and oh, Hey, there's a ton of great podcasts out there. Otherwise, like we're here uh, locked on Canadians, have you or have a listen. 
There's so many others that I'm forgetting. Give everybody a good listen. This this community, this Montreal Canadiens community online has been great. We've been around for years and we've loved every minute of it. So thank you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting us. Keep sending your emails and your messages. Keep interacting with us. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.